This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. All right, everybody, guys and girls, welcome back to another edition of the SmackDown Review. Right here on the WWE Podcast. As always, I'm one of the hosts here on the show. Michael Ritter. You can find me on Twitter at Michael5Ritter or on Instagram at MichaelRitter5. Also the host of the Football Function Podcast, available anywhere you get podcasts. So if you're a football fan and you enjoy getting your fix of football during the offseason, you definitely want to go subscribe over there and check out what we're doing. And it definitely gets better once we get closer to football season, obviously. But um, we're here, obviously, to talk about the SmackDown that aired on June 24th. 2022 from Austin, Texas. Now, I am by myself today on this episode. A couple reasons why. Number one, uh, Friday night, last night, I had a dinner party with my bosses because it was typically, or I guess it, it was my eight-year anniversary at my work, where I where I work for my real job. So, uh, went out and had a nice dinner. Honestly, the steak was phenomenal. Good thing I didn't have my, or have to pay for it myself. Because the steak alone was $55. And that's, I mean, crazy. And then I had a side. The side was like $8. Like, yeah, it was definitely a pretty pricey meal for um for the eight-year anniversary. But, hey, you know, uh, you only work somewhere for eight years and get to celebrate your eight-year anniversary one time. So I definitely uh, appreciate that. But John is actually in Clovis, New Mexico right now uh, playing softball. So shout out to John. Hopefully you can do your thing, kick some ass on the softball field, get back to Amarillo in time because WWE Saturday night main event, look it up, June 25th is here in Amarillo, Texas tonight where me and John live, where this podcast is from and it is recorded every week. So I'm looking forward to that. I have two ringside seats, front row. I'm doing the superstar experience so I get meet and greet opportunities, all that good stuff. It's my first time getting this type of experience. But I have had ringside seats before. I have sat front row, second row, all that. So it's going to be fun. It is my girlfriend's first time to get to experience this type of WWE show. She went to WrestleMania. That was her first wrestling show. So safe to say she has to recalibrate her expectations on you know what she expects a wrestling show to be. But I do think that the experience is going to be a little bit different in a good way as well. Because it's front freaking row, ringside. Are you kidding me? really doesn't get much better than that. On top of the uh, the meet and greet access, all the good stuff, all the bells and whistles. John is also going uh, to this WWE event, so yeah, he needs to get his ass back to Amarillo ASAP so we can hurry up and get up there to the Civic Center and watch this show. A lot of good things going to happen, obviously, but that's a live event. You guys aren't here to talk about a live event, uh, although I will probably be sending pictures to the Discord server if I you know get a good one or something like that, but... Definitely um, looking forward to that. But like I said, you guys aren't here to talk about that. You guys are here to talk about the SmackDown that aired on June 24th, 2022 from Austin, Texas, like I just mentioned. Um, You know, a pretty good episode of SmackDown, I will say. I was a big fan of the backstage work. Just kind of a little bit of a note that I have written here is, uh, you know, the backstage interviews. I felt like all of them were conducted very well. They were all meaningful. 
they all felt real. Like, I, I don't know if that's a, a good word to use there, but for whatever reason, I felt like they all progressed whatever respective storyline that they were in. Uh, we also saw the Street Profits kind of just, you know, walking around backstage, running into different superstars. So we got a little bit of everything, I guess you can say, from a, from a backstage standpoint. Not only that, but Adam Pierce's conversation with Sonya Deville, that was pretty good. But, you know, like like we normally do here on the show, we're going to get to everything in a chronological order. So let's do that properly and start with what opened the show, and that is Drew McIntyre. He comes to the ring. He has a microphone. He accuses Roman Reigns of ducking him. You know, that's not what the, the whole promo was about. That's kind of just what he was starting it with to basically set the stage as to why the Money in the Bank ladder match is going to be so important to him because Roman Reigns is ducking him. People are getting, you know, cut in front of him in terms of like Brock Lesnar. He does mention that as well. But um, he basically is just saying, you know, he has to win the Money in the Bank ladder match to force Roman Reigns' hand into giving him an opportunity for this for this championship. But, I mean, it's already been booked, right? Clash at the Castle, you have your match. So that's kind of one thing that I didn't really... There were some... Some logic holes, I guess, and what Drew was saying, just strictly because, I mean, you already have your championship match. It's booked several months in advance. It sucks that us as the, the WWE fans already know about it, despite Roman Reigns already having another match, the Money in the Bank ladder match coming up. I mean, a whole summer worth of booking, essentially, before we get to the the Clash of the Castle. But So that right there kind of threw me off as far as Drew McIntyre's promo, but, I mean, still a good one nonetheless. Um, and then obviously he talks about Brock Lesnar. He says that he's being gifted a championship match out of nowhere per usual. And that's okay because that's the quote unquote Brock way. But Drew McIntyre tends to do things the hard way and he will be waiting for the winner of that match. Once it's over, Sheamus then comes out with the brawling brutes and immediately starts to poke at Drew McIntyre says that he's a bigger bust than the Longhorns new recruit Arch Manning brings up Drew being cashed in on himself in the past whenever he was champion. And then Seamus obviously mentions how he has, in fact, cashed in on Roman Reigns before. So this is all familiar territory to Seamus. Been there, done that type of thing. So he's already, you know, been to that mountaintop as far as the money in the bank way to do it. And he's not afraid to do it again. So the confidence is there. The familiarity is there. Seamus is definitely a threat in this money in the bank ladder match. But Paul Hamas, or Paul Heyman comes out next with Adam Pierce. And he basically just promotes the last man standing match at SummerSlam. He does acknowledge the vulnerability that Roman Reigns will be at whenever someone possesses that briefcase. And he also acknowledges that it has happened before, but now he is there as the special counsel to the tribal chief to ensure that that won't happen again. And then Adam Pearce makes an announcement. He walks back his decision that he made last week to put both of them in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, that's Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. And he says that after being influenced by Paul Heyman, WWE management has overruled his decision to include both of them in the match. However, if they can beat the Usos tonight in a tag match, they can earn their spots in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Speaking of the Money in the Bank, we do get a qualifying match here. Shinsuke Nakamura versus Sami Zayn. Sami does cut a great promo before the match, basically laying out his mission plan for winning the Money in the Bank briefcase and his loyalty to the bloodline. And this is all part of what I mentioned earlier, just the backstage work being phenomenal in this episode. So um, as far as the match goes, Sh uh, Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke. I almost said Shimmy. I've actually done that a couple times talking about these two, but 
This was an okay 10-minute match. Your typical Shinsuke and Sami Zayn masterclass. It did have a little bit of a weird finish whenever Sami Zayn tried to escape the ring and run away. But he was met with a Kinshasa right in front of the announce table. And then he's thrown into the ring immediately by Shinsuke Nakamura. And then whenever Shinsuke finally climbs into the ring himself and tries to position himself in the corner of the ring to hit another Kinshasa... He um he's met with a haluva kick by Sami Zayn and Sami punches his ticket to Money in the Bank right there gets the win. One thing I will point out about this match just a little bit of a flaw I guess if if you want to look at it from a hindsight as twenty twenty perspective for Shinsuke Nakamura is that he could have done some damage to Sami Zayn on the outside of the ring after that Kinshasa that very first one he at least could have let him lay out there and be in pain before he crawled back into the ring you know like he didn't have to necessarily throw him in there immediately giving him time to, you know, you know, get up. I mean, if you're thinking about it, if you're playing WWE 2K22 and, and you're and you're wrestling somebody and they get you on the ground, you want them to try to pick you up rather than, you know, force you to lay there and let yourself heal, you know, the natural way. You want the person to try to, you know, force you to get up so you have that opportunity to hit that reversal. And that's essentially what Sami Zayn did here. Took a page out of WWE 2K22's playbook and um, got the win here. But I do think this was the right decision. I will say having Sami Zayn in that match does add a layer to it. And it makes you a little bit more interested to see kind of what can happen as far as like if he were to win the briefcase. You know, they would just basically hold it hostage. They they would basically just sit on it until Roman Reigns either lost it or they got tired of Sami Zayn or something like that. I mean, Otis did have to give up his right whenever he won the money in the bank. So it is possible that, you know, that thing can change hands some way or another. I mean, we've seen it happen in the past. So it would just add a nice little wrinkle. And then obviously the hints, the uh, the temptation that we would see on Sami Zayn's face to want to cash in that briefcase on Roman Reigns. It would just provide some uh, some pretty good televi- television, to say the least, for uh, SmackDown. But let's see here. Moving on next here on the show, New Day versus Jinder and Shanky in what was promoted as a new dance challenge. I believe that's what it was. I'm not hundred percent sure um, what the whole point was. New Day basically says, Hey, we're here to beat you guys clean. Nobody wants to see us beat you guys again. What they do want to see is Shanky break it down. And that's, you know, I do think there is a little bit of truth to that. There are people out there who don't, you know, mind seeing Shanky do his thing out there. Just provide a little bit of, I guess, character or personality to his character. Eventually, it's going to get old if he keeps doing the same dance moves. But for now, it hasn't really gotten old yet. He's starting to get a little bit more comfortable out there. And just looking at it from an objective point of view, the dance moves are getting better. Just being completely honest. So, I mean, shout out to Shanky here. But he does start to dance um, to the trombone, eventually to music being played through the speakers. But Jinder does grab him, tells him to stop. Shanky shoves him back. And uh, Jinder then leaves the, re- or leaves the ring. He's had enough. and just heads backstage. And the dance party does continue there for a little bit, but it's interrupted by the Viking Raiders who come out and attack the New Day and Shanky from behind and basically just send a message saying that we are back and we are definitely, you know, here to contend on the SmackDown tag team division. But I did point out that they had some new face paint. That's one thing I wrote down here in my notes is that uh, they had, like, their, their eyes kind of just – that really bad eyeshadow. You know, it's it's not like Ronda Rousey's or, you know, Gene Simmons or anybody like that who have a, their own specific way that they do their face makeup. But I will say it's just a little bit different. It's definitely noteworthy from uh, from what they've done in the past, and I do like that. But another thing that happened here, and I do think that this is definitely noteworthy, Sonya Deville, she gives Adam Pierce an earful 
about his mismanagement of the women's division. And then he, she brings up not having a single match in the several weeks that she's been back on SmackDown. And she references Raquel Gonzalez, or Rodriguez, sorry, getting pushed very early, uh, you know, since she's been called up to the main roster. She also mentions Lacey Evans getting matches, coming back from giving birth. And then she gets personal by taking a shot at Adam Pearce's in-ring career and calls it a failure. But if competition is what Sonya Deville wants, then that is what she is going to get. She pushed the right buttons today for Adam Pearce. He immediately books a two-on-one handicap match with Sonya Deville taking on both Lacey Evans and Raquel Rodriguez. And of course, that match happens next. So that's exactly what we get. We get the two-on-one handicap match, Sonya versus Lacey Evans and Raquel, but... Uh, Sonya doesn't come out by herself. I mean, Shayna's been her lackey since she was feuding with Naomi, you know, back in late 2021. So whatever it is with Shayna Baszler, she just she has it in her heart to protect Sonya Deville. Or maybe she's just paid her off at some point, and, you know, she owes her a, a little bit of like a bodyguard type system. I don't really know what it is, but I did write down here that Lacey Evans looked very small next to Raquel. Like, she almost looked like Liv Morgan next to, like, a regular wrestler, you know, because I understand that Raquel's bigger than most. But Lacey just, she definitely got sized up a little bit. I will say that's something that was noticeable uh, for sure as I was watching. But, I mean, this match, as you would expect, pretty quick. Sonya does get a little bit of offense against Lacey Evans, but she gets absolutely dominated by Raquel. Eventually, Raquel throws her into a women's right from Lacey Evans, and then she pins her and gets the win. Shayna Baszler and Zia Lee do sneak up and attack Lacey and Raquel after the match from behind, but even they get put on their ass immediately after that, so, I mean, it really didn't matter. I do feel sorry for Shayna Baszler because we know how talented she could be, and she's essentially in the same role that we've seen, like, Carmella and Zelina Vega in. You know, like, that makes absolutely no sense. I, I truly don't get it why you're not utilizing this talent, but, I mean, as long as you're, you know, featuring the women's division more prominently... Eventually, these roles and these opportunities will naturally come, but you have to take it serious. You know, it starts from the top. You can't expect the wrestlers to just provide these opportunities on their own. So I do want to see Shayna Baszler get booked in a better spot, but it's almost to the point now where, like, do you have any hope that that's going to happen? Like, how many years has it been? We've seen her show flashes, glimpses, but um, it's not enough. You know, we, we want to see this more on a long-term basis from Shayna Baszler. And I just feel like we haven't really gotten that in, in a very long time, really since she's been on the main roster. She was very dominant in NXT. I mean, there was that little stint with the Elimination Chamber when she had the WrestleMania season push going in to challenge Becky Lynch, but she lost. And I feel like since then, her arrow has been pointing, like, not slanted downward, just straight up vertically downward. She is just going straight down to the ground. And you hate to see that just because of the talent, like I mentioned, and just the, the character there, the legitimacy that she brings as a true badass. So I do hope that, you know, WWE can maybe pull something out of their you-know-what and uh, start featuring Shayna a little bit better. Zia Lee, I mean, her her future's still ahead of her. You know, I mean, it's not that Shayna's isn't, but Zaya's she's just getting started. You know, ho hopefully she can find herself in a situation where, you know, whether it's like a, a faction whether it's a program that she works well with the other person and the, the chemistry is just there and it maybe puts her over a little bit with the fans. There's ways to do it, and I just hope that kind of, you know, she can latch her way onto the right path for sure. But let's see here. The Street Profits, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, they're shown walking around backstage. They run into Drew Gulak doing some dips on the ladders. Don't really know what that is. I'm not sure if that's a Monday Night Raw thing that I might have missed. 
or if it's just, you know, just happened tonight. I, I really don't know. Uh, they run into Madcap Moss as well, try to tell him a little bit of jokes. They run into the Lethal Lovers. I mean, it was a ni- it was nice seeing the Street Profits. You know, we really don't see them a whole lot here on SmackDown, so it is nice to uh, to get them every now and then. But looking here at my notes, th- this is where things do get pretty interesting, I, I will say. I was pretty invested in this, and I did laugh a couple times. It's a Ronda Rousey parody. Natty comes out with a baby stroller and impersonates Ronda Rousey as she is dressed up exactly like her. Down to the Mortal Kombat eyeshadow, the Rowdy Roddy Piper kilt. I mean, everything that um, that Ronda typically does. She even did her hair a little bit different. I mean, it was good work by Natty. I will say, like, for kind of crapping on this program at first, how there really was no investment, no reason to be invested. They've done some decent stuff. I will say they've at least done what they can to make you feel like this is somewhat a meaningful program and these two women actually do want to beat the hell out of each other. And I do feel like that they're definitely heading in that direction just from like their their social media interactions, taking legitimate shots at each other. I love to see this type of thing. But let's see. She, um, Like I said, she's impersonating Ronda Rousey. She's basically playing the role of Ronda Rousey, and she, is, and she insinuates – that Ronda should hand over her SmackDown Women's Championship, retire, and basically just go play mommy. You know, she says a lot of things as well, but that's basically the synopsis of what she said. Ronda then comes out and cuts arguably her best promo that I've seen her cut in WWE. That's being completely honest. I was very impressed with what I saw from Ronda Rousey from a microphone perspective. So you do like to see that. She says that she almost didn't recognize Natalia without her rack out. That was I mean, a, a pretty good dig there, I will say. And despite being dressed up like Ronda, they couldn't be any more different. And then she ends it by saying that the closest thing Natty will ever be to a main attraction in WWE is whenever she's dressing up like Ronda Rousey. And things do kind of get a little bit physical. Uh, Ronda tries to yank her jacket off. There was some malfunctions there. That, that jacket was not coming off the wrist of Natty. So they struggled there to get that off. And then they kind of go back and forth with that baby stroller. Like, they, um, Natty's trying to, like, she throws it at her, goes right back to Natalia's hands, and then she tries to just hit it with her a couple times, and then Ronda tries to yank it out of her hands. Like, this literally looked like something that you might see at Black Friday at Target. Two moms just going at it for a baby stroller or something like that. I really don't know, but that's just kind of what it reminded me of as I was watching this thing unfold. Definitely good stuff here, and I'm, I'm definitely more invested as the weeks go by with this SmackDown Women's Championship program. But another another program that I am invested in, Ricochet versus Gunther, the Intercontinental Championship match happens here. Not very long at all. I mean, it's not like a squash match because Ricochet does have his moments, but, I mean, Gunther demonstrates his uh, submission skill set, and then he finishes this match with another soul-crushing powerbomb to retain his Intercontinental Championship and I'm not for the belt being defended every single week. Now, I know this was just Ricochet basically, you know, using his rematch clause and all that good stuff. But I do think that as long as we get one a month, you know, just give me one to two Intercontinental Championship matches a month, preferably at every single pay-per-view, and maybe one in between if, you know, somebody deserves it every now and then. But for sure, you know, build up a program, defend that championship on the pay-per-view. And then I feel like the the Intercontinental Championship might mean something again. I feel like automatically being on Gunther's waist or shoulder, whatever, it's going in the right direction. You know, so you kind of, you take what you can get. It's going to be a slow process, but I do feel like without a doubt it's in the right hands, like for sure. I mean, I mean, just think about the the current title holders on SmackDown, like just for a split second. Obviously, you got Roman Reigns at the very top. 
with the Universal Championship, the WWE Championship. I know that's technically a Raw belt too, but Roman Reigns is a SmackDown superstar. Go look at it. He's on the SmackDown roster. Same thing with Ronda Rousey. She's a SmackDown Women's Champion. You could say what you want about her. She doesn't lack the, um, I guess, like... That, that quality you want as a, like she mentioned, the main attraction, right? Like she's a badass. She's not the best wrestler on the mic. People can say what they want about her character and her lack of charisma and all that stuff. That Those are legitimate points and legitimate facts. I'm not going to argue that. But Ronda Rousey is, you know, she, she's a top woman in the company. So the belt being on her, I feel like, does add some credibility to the list of champions that are currently on the roster. And then you look at Gunther as the Intercontinental Champion. That's a good one right there. That's a true value champion because that's your your mid-card belt, but it's with somebody who's a main eventer. It's somebody who just who reeks of a future star in this company. And then the tag team championships, the Usos. It's kind of just like with Raw, you know, like we have the Raw belts here on SmackDown, but the Usos are SmackDown wrestlers, so you have to consider them just, you know, and uh, I guess respect them for the dominant tag team that they are. I guess is, is that's all I could say about it. They are one of the best tag teams on the planet right now. So that's one thing I kind of noticed here as I was watching this is the um, the championship belts are in very good hands. Some of the better, or I guess one of the better lists of championships or championship holders that we've seen on SmackDown in a while. I mean, we've had Roman Reigns and Charlotte for quite a long time. But the Intercontinental Championship was always kind of getting buried there, or maybe the the SmackDown Tag Team Championships were. I mean, they've been on the Usos for quite a while now, but before that, I mean, it was the New Day. Every now and then, it'd be the Street Profits, maybe the Viking Raiders. Now, the titles feel like they are on their their um, their long term holder. You know, like I don't feel like these are transitional champions. Ronda Rousey might be one of the first ones to drop hers, just being completely honest. But the others, I feel like. The Usos are in it for the long haul. Roman Reigns definitely in it for the long haul. And I would love to see somebody try to take that IC belt off of Gunther because I really don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Up next, we get some more backstage work, a backstage interview with Caleb Braxton and Paul Heyman. And this was good stuff from Paul Heyman despite not even saying a word. Like, that is how good he is. This is great work by him. If you just keep your eyes on him in this program, you will see exactly what I'm talking about. But... Um, she points out that he could be ultimately helping Brock Lesnar somehow. I really didn't connect the dots on what she was referring to there. That's on me. But if you know, then shout out to you. But, um, so yeah, she basically does the same thing that she was doing leading up to WrestleMania. She's accusing him of being, you know, capable of helping Brock Lesnar. And before he has a chance to open his mouth and respond, Sami Zayn walks up and tells Paul not to listen to her because she tried to do something similar to that before his match earlier tonight and uh, saying that he could cash in on Roman Reigns, not if, but when Sami Zayn wins that Money in the Bank ladder match. And Sami says says that he would never do that to Roman Reigns. And Paul just has a pleased look on his face, like an an evil look, I guess you can say, puts his arm around Sami. And then Sami says, I would cash in on Brock Lesnar. And then Paul's look, his whole demeanor changes. Uh, He he goes to having a, a really pissed off look. And he takes his arm off of Sammy's shoulder, and then Sammy just kind of has that look where he he realizes he messed up and probably said just a little bit too much. But, um, yeah, Paul Heyman here, just the facial expressions, the eye contact he was making with Sammy Zayn, good stuff. I mean, I really, I don't think he said a word here. If he did, I definitely missed it. He pulled his handkerchief out of his pocket. I mean, he was going all in here, and uh, Paul Heyman, I truly believe, is doing some of the best work of his entire career 
here in 2022. And that's, that's being completely honest. And I know he, he did some great stuff late in the, in the nineties. He did some great stuff in the early two thousands. Obviously he's an ECW legend. He is ECW. So that, uh, that all just being pushed aside right now, focusing on the 2022 version of Paul Heyman and his current role, what he brings to the company from a behind the scenes standpoint, I guarantee he is being a mentor, a coach, just, uh, an open ear, somebody who can, you know, give these wrestlers, these young wrestlers advice, and they can just be a sponge and soak up the knowledge of Paul Heyman. I mean, if you were working with Paul Heyman and you're trying to succeed in this business, would you not be bothering him religiously trying to, you know, pick his brain, find out things here and there? How can I be successful? Look how long you've been here. How can I be here as long as you have? Like, why would you not take advantage of that? And I just feel like Paul Heyman is, is a, is in a great spot right now. And I truly think that, uh, He's one of the biggest assets of WWE that they have. And as long as he is Team WWE, I do feel like they uh, they have the capability of putting together a damn good show, regardless of who's booking it, the creative team. Because we all know when Paul Heyman gets his hands on things, it usually gets pretty good. And I know he doesn't have the, you know, the same seat at the table that he once did in the creative room, but still he's there. He's in a prominent role. He's featured on commentary with the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. They're just basically trying to figure out ways to use him because Roman isn't there. That tells you right there how they feel about Paul Heyman. They're trying to get him on TV despite Roman Reigns not being there. So you have to love what you're seeing from Paul Heyman. Moving on here, though, let's see. Uh, Money in the Bank qualifying match between Shotzi, Blackheart, and Tamina. I do believe this is the first time that these two have ever matched up on WWE TV. Definitely, to my knowledge, probably have gone out at a live event, but definitely the first time on SmackDown. Relatively quick match. Shotzi wins by hitting the quote-unquote never wake up. I guess that's her finishing move. It's a form of a DDT, but she does qualify for the ladder match. I do think this was the right decision. Did not need to see Tamina in that match. One spot remains for the women's match for the Money in the Bank. Who's it going to be? I mean, I really don't know. Could it be a returning Bailey? Who knows? If so, book it. She's most likely going to win that because it'll springboard her return automatically put her into a prominent spot where she's a threat and everybody has to take her serious because she has that briefcase that's just immediately kind of what comes to mind it might not happen she might be more of a SummerSlam return kind of similar to what we had Becky Lynch or Becky Lynch do I believe it was it was last year so there's definitely possibilities here um just got to see what route WWE goes with that last spot because I do feel like it's a valuable spot and could end up being the one who wins the match Another thing to note here, Max Dupree, the Maximum Male Models debut, I guess that is pushed back another week. I'm not sure if this is just a bit, like now they're just trying to have fun with it. Yeah, we're going to push it back another week just to kind of piss him off. That would be entertaining if that is what they're doing, but uh, I did note that, that uh, push back another week here for Max Dupree's Maximum Male Models. Now things do get pretty interesting next. Pat McAfee cuts a promo, a damn good one. I will say he is so good on the mic and... No different here. He uh, he stands up on the announce table, gets the crowd involved, and he he calls out Baron Corbin for essentially, you know, coming out last week and saying what he said about Pat McAfee, having all those negative words. And I'm gonna let Pat talk about it because I, I do. I, I want to provide audio for this one. I, I'm gonna play this. Not gonna play a super super long version. I mean, we'll see how long it's gonna be. It's not a very long promo anyway. But I do want you guys to hear it in case you didn't. Um, how good this was from Pat. Together, I would wish that I were dead. 
That's not possible. That'll never happen. I love my life. I enjoy every single moment. So much so that when I walked into the WWE Thunderdome for the first time, all I could think of was, I feel alive. When I get to put on the headset and talk into the microphone for the millions. Shout out to my man, The Rock, members of the WWE Universe. I feel alive. So bum ass while you're catfishing on the internet, acting like you're not an insufferable, arrogant douchebag. Why don't you ponder this for a moment? SummerSlam. You and me. Nashville, Tennessee. And when I kick your teeth down your throat, the only thing I will think is I feel more alive than I've ever felt in my entire life right here at SummerSlam. So obviously, that was some pretty good stuff from Pat. I mean, just a passionate promo. That's really what you love to see. Um, I was out of my seat for this, not because like it was like a great, great promo, but because obviously I'm a huge Pat McAfee fan. You guys know that. If you've been listening to this show longer than three or four weeks, then you know I'm, I'm a very big Pat McAfee fan, and I, I just like to see him get involved in the show. I like to see him have um, opportunities to wrestle. And whenever he does get the opportunity to speak on the mic, I mean, he absolutely runs circles around some of the wrestlers. Like, are you kidding me? Listen to this dude on the mic and tell me he's not an asset. So shout out to Pat for uh, getting another chance to, um, you know, do his thing in the ring. And I can't wait to watch it at SummerSlam in Nashville, Tennessee. But let's continue on here. I do believe the only thing left to talk about is the main event, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus versus the Usos if they win this match then they are both qualified for the Money in the Bank ladder match. So there's a lot of reasons why the Usos want them to lose, right? These are two credible wrestlers that would be in the match and have a threat to win and then go on to be, you know, possibility of, you know, cashing in on Roman Reigns. You don't want that. So they you want to keep these two dudes out of it. So clearly there are motives behind the Usos. We do get the Street Profits on commentary. They do come into effect here a little bit later. I mean... This match started at 8.42 Central Time, so about 18 minutes left of the entire show. And it went to the damn near very end of the show. There's probably like one minute left um, of the match. So I would say this, or of the show, whenever they left for them with enough time to, you know, play their intro and all that stuff. But basically, I mean, 17-minute match to close the show. A lot of physicality and chaos. Butch and Ridge do get kicked from ringside, but they come back out. To cause a distraction, so Sami Zayn could sneak in and try to interfere a little bit, but he's ran over by Angelo Dawkins, just absolutely gets put on the ground. A beautiful sight. If you love football, you've seen this happen several times on the field. That's how you know Dawkins definitely has a history of lighting people up, without a doubt. But McIntyre does Claymore Jimmy Uso's head off and picks up the win for himself and his tag team partner, Sheamus. These two dudes work well together. I mean... <clears throat> excuse me, you hear in the past, like if two singles guys that are feuding together or about to team up, they say, can these two coexist and get along tonight? 
Like, yeah, I get it. Sheamus might, you know, cheap shot Drew, but the, from a chemistry perspective, this team is freaking good. Like, they can kick some ass together, and that's why I was very confident they were going to win it. And I just felt like it made sense. It's going to make the Money in the Bank ladder match pretty damn entertaining next week, a week from tonight, actually. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. But that is a SmackDown review, guys. I do apologize for being, you know, right around 30 minutes. That's typically the um, the the goal there. You know, the episode's got to be about 30 minutes long at least. So if John was here, clearly go on a little bit longer. But we have a WWE event to get to tonight. I have some things to do around the house. So I do want to go ahead and get started on all that stuff. But I do want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed the show. I hope you had a damn good week. And I hope you will go on to have a badass weekend. Um, I'm not sure if there's really anything on TV this week. Is there a pay-per-view, right? Forbidden Door, right? Isn't that a, isn't that a pay-per-view on this week? I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I'm not going to try to sound like a stooge just in case it's not. But I did watch AEW this week. Pretty good stuff, I will say, in terms of the in-ring work. But... Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I have here, guys. Hope you all have a phenomenal weekend. Walk passionately in the direction of your dreams, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.